It's time for Real Estate Roundup. This is the time every single week we get together with noted real estate agent Terry Story. Terry is a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams in Boca Raton, Florida. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve. All right. I have a bit of a sensitive question to ask you. All right. Is it legal for a seller to say no Trump supporters and be able to not sell to anyone who says they support Trump or Hillary or any other politician? You know, (laughs) the question is, is it illegal versus... I don't think it's a smart idea, but according to the Fair Housing Act of 1968, that's not a protected class. Protected class would be, you know, race, religion, color, sex, sex, family family status. status. Yeah. But your political status is not. I don't think it would be a good idea to do. Although in this particular case, it did draw a lot of attention. It Mm -hmm. made national news. So if you use that as a marketing strategy to try to draw Mm -hmm. attention to your house, it might work. But I, I seriously don't suggest doing something like this. I'll also tell you, Steve, when I put people's homes up for sale, a lot of people support, you know, the Gators or the Seminoles or University of Miami. I ask them, you've got to take that all down. You really don't want to go overly religious in your house. You don't really want to go sports. You know, definitely don't want to, you know, go politics. I'll go into teenagers' rooms and they'll have, you know, posters of the swimsuit bikini girls or or the the firemen calendars. All of that really, no. Yeah, take it down. Take it down. <laughs> you don't know who's walking into your house. To, you yeah, know, keep it neutral. Keep it I, neutral. Be smart. Be you know, smart. Take, take the point of view of the buyer. Right. Okay? So think of a buyer wants kind of a clean landscape to look at so they can put their own stuff in there. Now, they might like the posters yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> or not like okay. the posters, but no, don't go there. You know, getting back to this idea of whether it's legal or not, there was one attorney who said that Denying based on politics is an unlawful contractual term, he says, violates the First Amendment. So while it's not the Fair Housing Act, you can make a case that it may violate your right to free speech. All right. We're not lawyers, so we don't know. I thought it was pretty interesting. All right. So a large percentage of parents are helping their children buy their home. About 30 percent, you told me, aren't there? What are some of the ways that parents can help grown kids actually own a home? Basically, there's three ways. You know, the first way is gift. You can gift money to them. And I believe it's like 15,000. And you want to work with the uh, mortgage person on this. So there's ways you can legally gift money to them. The second way would be to, if you're capable, hold a mortgage. So if you've got the cash, you can hold a mortgage for your kids. And then the third way would be a co-borrower where you're going in on the mortgage with, with them. Now, you and I have well, talked. Well, let's, let's talk about each one <laughs> yeah. separately. All right, so an outright gift is one thing. Outright gift. I think it's important before we get into the other two, though, to mention that you need to treat this as an independent business transaction. So you need to have a contract. You need to document the gift. And you need to consider the other siblings as well. You want to make sure right. that you're treating them all equally. You give one to one, you better be prepared to give to the others. That's right. Or and <laughs> then there is some evidence that suggests that you should disclose this gift to um, everyone in the immediate family. So Depends on your family. <laughs> it's not a secret. I mean, if you've got a family that's talking to each other <laughs> at the moment, you know, but um they're going to find out about it. The They're siblings gonna, will know about it. That, Just right. my family, I know. Exactly. No. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But the bottom line is you want to treat this as a separate business transaction. 
And everybody's got to be pretty serious about this stuff. So that's gifting money. So let's talk about the next one. Holding a mortgage. All right. So if you got the money and you can hold, let's say, a $250,000 mortgage or something, and so you are now the bank as a parent. So now every single month, you're expecting to get a check for P&I. <laughs> right. Okay. I don't know. You're not going to escrow. So they're going to have to pay that separately, which is another no, point. No, that's another, right? yes. Okay. So, you know, what if one month is missed? You can send them a letter, put them on <laughs> a notice of default. <laughs> yeah. So. Then you get, mom, I'm not feeling good. I'm sorry. I'm late. I'll get you the money. Yeah. Yeah. But take it all the way down to its final end there. So what if they, you're going to foreclose on your kid. I mean, really? Right. I mean, that's bad. Yeah. Right? yeah. So probably not a great idea to hold the paper. No, on, I wouldn't. On I would that. not recommend it. Do, do not lend money to family. Yeah. Okay. And then the third one is co-borrow. So now you are on the hook right. with XYZ Bank as a co-borrower. Yeah. So if, and you're saying to your child, you're paying the principal and interest every month and all of that. If the child misses now, it actually kind of And you may with- not know about it. And oh. I've seen this play out. And mm-hmm. then next thing you know, the house is in foreclosure. Oh, boy. And it, you've totally ruined the parent's credit and everything else. So I would- So we, we kind of settling on the gifting thing. Yeah, go with the gift. Gift and, you know, probably just don't expect it to come Although, back. if they're living at your home, yeah. <laughs> it may be worth paying to get them out, <laughs> and no matter what the cost. That's, that's not a gift. That's a bribe. <laughs> <laughs> Here's $25,000 if you get out of my house. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. One last question here. Let's talk about this idea that when a person gets of a certain age and they're empty nesters, or maybe there's a divorce, the question is, is it a good idea to stay put or to downsize? What say you? I say you, I mean, really, you have to look at your financial situation. What makes the most sense? And you have to understand why people are struggling with this because to me, it's an easy decision. Well, I'm just going to downsize. I'll save the money. Yeah. It makes sense. But then there's the, well, you know, I have grown children. They may have grandchildren and I want my house to be, I want to come back. you know, come back and hang out. Others have told me, and I just had someone say this to me last night, we intentionally bought a two-bedroom home. We have five children. <laughs> we don't want that opportunity to even exist. As a financial planner, I've heard that many times. Yeah, that kind of shocked me because I know this family, a very loving family, but they were dead serious and they did buy a two-bedroom house for that very reason. So these are things you need to consider. If your parents buy a one-bedroom apartment... (laughs) They're sending you a signal. I think it doesn't take a big stretch for you to figure out what that message is. Without a pull-out couch. (laughs) (laughs) No pull-out couch. Exactly. So there is the idea basically of you think you're going to save money. You don't really want to have to take care of a big house, but it's more complicated than that. So talk to your realtor yes, and you'll get all of the facts that you need in order to make an informed decision. Talk to your financial advisor, advisor, CPA. CPA, exactly. My guest as always is Terry Story, a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams located in Boca Raton, and she can be found at terrystory.com. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve.